If you have your Bible, let me invite you to go ahead and take it. Turn to Psalm chapter 77. In just a few moments, I'll begin there in verse 1. But I want to begin this morning with uh, a little bit of an unofficial poll. So let me ask you, those of you in the room, if I use the term silent treatment, how many of you in the room are familiar with the term or phrase silent treatment? Okay, I got a better question. How many of you use the silent treatment regularly against someone? Oh, okay. How many of you have had the silent treatment used against you? Yeah, that's more of it. No one likes the silent treatment. No, actually, one of the earlier services, there was a lot more elbows being thrown. I I guess there was uh, husband and wives that were sitting closer. There were a lot of elbows. No one likes the silent treatment. We want responses. When we say something, we want that response back. We don't like being treated or met with silence. It's one thing, though, to experience the silent treatment from a person. That's bad enough. It's another thing altogether. When we feel like the silent treatment is being given to us by God. Have you ever been there? Can you relate to that? That's a hard place to be. What do you do when you pray and it doesn't seem like God hears your prayers? What do you do when you pray and God seems silent? What do you do when you pray and you keep on praying and yet you still don't get an answer? How long do you have to keep praying before you get an answer? What if you pray for years and years and years and you don't get an answer? Sometimes we're left with questions. Questions like, does God care? Is God real? Does he know I'm even here? What do you do when God seems silent? That's the question I want us to address this morning from Psalm chapter 77. Now, as before we get into the text, I want to give you just a little bit of background information. Psalm chapter 77 was written by a guy by the name of Asaph. Asaph, I don't know if you realize this or not, was one of the three musicians who was leading as the Ark, was going, Ark of the Covenant was going back into the city of Jerusalem. He was leading that procession. He was also one of the three musicians that David appointed to serve leading worship in the temple and in, in the tabernacle. However, The backdrop for Psalm chapter 77 is not the celebration of the temple or the dedication of it. In fact, the backdrop for Psalm chapter 77 is one of pain and of heartache and of suffering. You see, the nation of Israel is being judged by God for their sin. They're experiencing consequences for their actions. And Asaph finds himself right in the middle of that. And to make matters worse, it was was bad enough that they were experiencing the judgment of God. To make matters worse, Asaph feels like God isn't even responding. God isn't even listening. God isn't even hearing. God seems to be silent. That's the backdrop of Psalm chapter 77. Look with me what it says beginning there in verse 1. We're going to read the whole thing and then we'll come back and see what we have to teach what God has to teach us from it. 
Beginning of verse 1, I cried out to God with my voice, to God with my voice, and he gave ear to me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate within my heart, and my spirit makes diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever? And will He be favorable no more? Has His mercy ceased forever? Has His promise failed forevermore? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has He in anger shut up His tender mercies? Selah. And I said, this is my anguish. But I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will also meditate on all your work and talk of your deeds. Your way, O oh God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? You are the God who does wonders. You have declared your strength among the peoples. You have with your arm redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. Selah. The waters saw you, O God. The waters saw you. They were afraid. The depths also trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies sent out a sound. Your arrows also flashed about. The voice of your thunder was in the whirlwind. The lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was in the sea, your path in the great waters, and your footsteps were not known. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. What do you do when God seems silent? From Psalm chapter 77, I see five actions we can and should take when God seems silent in our lives. What are they? First, when God seems silent, even when God seems silent, talk to God. Talk to Him. No matter what may be taking place, talk to Him. You know, one of the things I love most about the Scripture is that it's honest with its characters, honest about its people. So when we come to Psalm chapter 77, we need to recognize that, yes, we are reading the inspired Word of God. These are the words of God, but they're the words of God communicated through His human messenger. God does not bypass the thoughts and feelings and emotions and experiences of the human authors that he uses to write the scriptures. He uses them. And so when we come to Psalm chapter 77 and we read these words, you need to realize that this is the word of God, but it's the word of God communicated through the human author. And the author, Asaph, in Psalm chapter 77, it is obvious that he's struggling. And I mean struggling with a capital S. You would see this a little more if you read all of the Psalms that Asaph wrote. You see, this isn't the first one. Go back to Psalm chapter 73 and go all the way through Psalm chapter 78. He wrote all of them. And you get a really good picture of the struggle that he is enduring. 
But God uses that. He uses the pain. He uses the struggle. He uses the trials to communicate to us. He doesn't bypass those things. He uses them. And here's the really cool thing. Here's the really cool thing about Asaph. In spite of all he's dealing with, in spite of the pain and the hurt and the struggle, in spite of all that, he doesn't turn away from God. He turns to God. Verse 1 says, I cried out to God with my voice, and he gave ear to me. Verse 2, he says, in the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. And I, and I want you to see this because if you're anything like me, sometimes in my life, pain and struggle and trials, they don't drive me to God. Sometimes they turn me away from Him. But Asaph shows us a better way. He shows us what should be our model and what should be our pattern. Even when God seems silent in our lives, don't turn away from God. Turn to Him. Bring all of that to Him. Continue talking to God. But don't think everything's nice and easy and painless for Asaph. In fact, if you'll notice what he says there in verse 3. Let me draw your attention to that first phrase. I remembered God and was troubled. And you say, wait a minute. Time out. Isn't thinking about God and going to God supposed to help us not leave us more troubled? Asaph said, I remembered God and was troubled. I, I think if we're honest with God and with one another, sometimes we'll admit that thinking about God and going to God in the midst of our troubles makes those troubles sometimes harder, right? It's harder because we wonder where God is. And it's harder because we wonder why God's not doing something about our trouble. And it's harder because we wonder why God's allowing something so painful to reach in and touch our lives. And we find ourselves asking questions like, is God still there? Does God know what's going on in my life? Does He still love me? Does He even care? Sometimes, thinking about God in the midst of our troubles makes those troubles harder. It did for Asaph. I mean, notice what he said there in verse 4. You hold my eyelids open. He can't even get any sleep. And he says, I am so troubled, I cannot speak. He doesn't even have the words to communicate to God what he's thinking and feeling. He doesn't even know what to say to God. Now, I believe God included these words in this psalm, so you and I would not be tempted to minimize Asaph's struggles. We wouldn't be tempted to think, well, oh, these are minor inconveniences that Asaph is dealing with. It's anything but minor. And it's obvious from the text that he's struggling. This is deep pain, deep struggle. I can't imagine what Asaph had to be going through in order to write the words that we're reading this morning. But I wonder, is there anyone in the room who can relate to that? 
You read these words on the page. You hear the deep struggle and the deep pain, and you're like, yes, I know what that feels like. I've been there. I wonder if it's ever led you to ask tough questions of God. That's what Asaph did. Do you notice the questions he asked in verses 7 through 9? It's almost like he's got a six-shooter out, and he's firing away one after one after one after one, back to back to back. Asa says, will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable? No more. No more. It's almost as if Asa is saying, God, have you picked me up and thrown me away? Are you done with me? He says, has his mercy ceased forever? He's saying, God, have I used up all of the mercy that you allotted for me? Has his promise failed? forevermore. Asa says, God, have you stopped being the promise-keeping God that you've claimed to be throughout all of Scripture? Have, I, have you stopped being the promise-keeping God that I've known you to be? Imagine what he has to be going through to call that into question. Has God forgotten to be gracious, he asks. Has he in anger shut up his tender mercies. He is questioning God's character here. Grace and mercy is not just something God does. Grace and mercy are something God is. He's led to question the very identity of God. That's what he's going through. This is the depth of the struggle that we see Asaph in the middle of. It's not minor. It's major. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm personally extremely grateful that God included Psalm 77 in the Scriptures. I'm, in, I'm glad he inspired Asaph to write these words. Because when I read those, I get hope. I recognize, I can relate, and I know this is the picture of how we can come to God. This is what he still wants from us. That even when it feels like we've been thrown away, even when it feels like we've been abandoned, even when it feels like heaven is silent... He wants us to still come with our questions, with our struggles, with our hurt, with our pain. He wants us to come to Him. And so even when God seems silent, go to Him. Talk to Him. He wants to hear from us. Don't turn away from God. Turn to as important as that truth is, if you're anything like me, it's not so much knowing that we can come and talk to. We, we're, we're looking for someone to talk to, yes. But what we really want more than that is not someone so much to talk to, but someone to hear from, right? We don't want to just talk to him. We want to hear from him. We want God to tell us what's going on. We want God to comfort us in our pain. We want God to reassure us that we haven't used up all of his mercy and grace. We want God to remind us that he's still on the throne, that he's still good, and that he knows what's going on in our lives and he's got a purpose and a plan for it. So what do you do when God seems silent? You talk to him. But you don't just talk to him. That's helpful. You need to also, according to Asaph, remember what God has done. Don't just talk to him. Remember what he has done. 
Look at what he said there in verse 10. And I said, this is my anguish. That word that's translated anguish in the New King James means to suffer from a physical or emotional injury. Another way, we're getting to see this picture of the struggle that Asaph is going through. This is deep emotional pain and sorrow. He says, this is my anguish, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. This is my anguish, he says. There is no picture, there is no mention anywhere that God shows up on the scene and all of a sudden answers Asaph's every question. There's no mention anywhere that God speaks and sets Asaph at ease. God remains silent, or at least so it seems to Asaph. In the face of these difficult questions, it's as if God's silence in Asaph's life only intensifies the pain. And if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. That you're in the middle of that struggle and it seems like heaven's being silent and the pain doesn't go away. It intensifies because God is still being silent. But what did Asaph do? He remembered. But he didn't just remember. He remembered three things specifically and these are instructive for us so that when we're in the middle of those struggles and those trials and that suffering we need to remember what God has done specifically remember God's blessings remember God's blessings notice what he said in the second half of verse 10 I will remember the years of the right hand of the most high if you remember When the scripture refers to the right hand of God, it is that place of honor, that place of blessing. So Asaph is saying, I will remember those years when God has been good to me. I will remember all the times that I experienced the favor of the Lord. Listen, that's really helpful for us. When we're in the middle of our struggle and pain and suffering, and it seems like heaven is silent and God's not listening, and God's not speaking, remember what he's done. Remember those times in your life when he spoke. Remember those times in his life, in your life when he delivered. Remember those times in your life when he provided. Remember what he has done. Remember his blessings, but not just his blessings. Remember his work. Asaph said in verse 11, I will remember the works of the Lord. Now, if you'll notice in your Bible in verse 11, that word Lord is in all capital letters. The reason is because that's a reference to the personal name of God. Anytime you see Lord in all capital letters in your Bible, it's a reference to Yahweh. Remember going all the way back to when Moses stood before that burning bush. And he, God sent him to the, the nation of Israel to, to lead them out of Egyptian captivity. And he said to them, who shall I say send me? Who shall I say? And God said, tell them Yahweh. Yahweh. Yahweh is the personal name of God. And so Asa says here in verse 11 that it is Yahweh's deeds or works that he will remember. It's not just God's blessings in his life. It's God's activity, God's work, what he's doing in Asa's life that he remembers. 
Listen, when you are in the middle of those trials and you are tempted to think that God has abandoned you or forgotten about you or doesn't even know what's going on in your life, remember what He has done. Remember His activity. Remember how He's provided. Remember when the nation of Israel crossed over the Jordan River, they, God had them set up those stones, those memorial stones, so they could look back and remember what God had done. You and I need those things in our lives that we can point back to of what God has done in our life so that when we're in the middle of that struggle and we're tempted to think that God has cast us aside or we've been abandoned or forgotten, that we can point back to that activity and know that our circumstances do not dictate who God is or what God has done. Remember God's blessings. Remember God's works. But Asaph also remembers God's miracles. Look there at the end of verse 11 when it says, I will remember your wonders of old. Asaph isn't just looking at his own life. He's also looking at all of history. He's looking at uh, the, the nation of Israel. In fact, if we read Psalm chapter 78, you would see that what Asaph has in mind is God's miraculous deliverance of Israel out of Egyptian captivity. At a time when he's wondering if God can and will do something about his circumstances. What does he remember? A time when God miraculously delivered his people when they were in their difficult circumstances. God has performed miracle after miracle after miracle. And Asaph recalling that encouraged him. Thinking about those who had gone before him and the struggle they went through reminded him that he was not alone. It reminded him that God still is on the throne and that what God has done back then, he can still do today. You and I need to remember that. We read these miraculous stories of what God has done in the past and we're tempted to think those are confined to the Bible. But they are not. Make no mistake that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what He did then, He can and is still doing today. No matter what you may be facing. What do you do when God seems silent? You go to Him. You talk to Him. You remember what He's done. But you don't just remember it. Asaph gives us this model for meditating on it. Not just remembering it, but meditating on it on it. Meditate on what God has done. It's one thing to remember what God has done. It's another thing altogether to meditate on it. Now, when the Bible uses that term, meditate, it's different from what comes into most people's minds when they hear that word. We've been so influenced in our society by Eastern transcendental meditation. And so you use that word and people think of someone with their legs crossed Indian style and their arms out saying, oh that is not what the Bible means when it uses that word meditate. Eastern transcendental meditation is about emptying the mind to achieve inner peace. When the Bible uses the word meditate, it's exactly the opposite. It's not emptying, it's filling. The Bible uses that word meditate to describe focused, intentional thought. So when we meditate on the Word of God, we focus our minds, we intentionally dwell on each and every single word and how they're connected and what they mean. We're focusing on that. So Asaph shows us in verse 12 
that he doesn't just remember what God has done. He meditates on it. It moves from his head to his heart. It doesn't, it's not just a passing thought. He contemplates it. He focuses on every single activity of God that he can remember. You say, why? What is the purpose of that? Why does he give so much time and mental energy to what God has done? Because here's what it's going to do. It's going to help him remember something. It's going to help him remember that even though it seems like God is silent, he is not absent. Let's say that again. That even though it seems that God is silent, he is not absent. And you and I need to be reminded of that as well. That even in the times in our life when it seems like God is not speaking and we're not hearing from him, that he is still present. He is still working. The God who worked mightily in the past is still mightily working today. Meditate on what he has done. Meditating on what God has done will encourage you and give you that message. So what do you do when God seems silent? You talk to him. You go to him repeatedly. You remember what he's done his works in the past, the way he's blessed you. You meditate on that. You dwell on it. It's not a passing, fleeting thought. You dwell on that. But then the fourth thing Asaph shows us, you proclaim what God has done. You proclaim it with your mouth. In the second half of verse 12, Asaph says, he doesn't just meditate on what God has done, he will also talk of your deeds. He's moved beyond thinking and meditating to openly proclaiming what God has done. It's moved from his head to his heart, now to his mouth. And there are a number of reasons why. You see, when you and I tell of what God has done, not just in our lives, but in all of history, it has a powerful effect on us. Powerful. Instead of focusing on what God isn't saying or what God isn't doing, we're choosing to focus on what God has said and what God has done in our lives. It's reminding ourselves that who God is and what God has done is still the same. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know what else it does? It gets our eyes off of our circumstances and puts them on God. Sometimes we're so consumed and so fixated on what's going on in our lives and why God isn't moving immediately or quickly. And sometimes we're so enraptured by that that we lose sight of who He is and what He's done. It also provides a witness to others around us. When you and I proclaim what God has done, not only in our lives, but in all of history, We're serving as a witness to those around us. Those who might need to hear that witness so that they come to faith in Jesus. It might just be that when you proclaim what God has done in your life or in the lives of human history, it might just be that that's what God uses to draw someone to faith and salvation in Him. Maybe it's what God uses when you proclaim His work. It might be what God uses to encourage another brother or sister in Christ. Or it might just be that when you proclaim with your mouth what God has done, it might just be that that's what God uses in your life to encourage you and to remember that He is still 
speaking. And that though it seems he may be silent right now, he is not absent. You're going to be tempted in those moments to struggle with that. It's remembering, meditating, and proclaiming on what God has done that he will use to help us remember who he is and what he's done. So what do you do? When God seems silent, you talk to him. You go to him. You remember what he's done. You meditate on that. You proclaim that. But then Asaph shows us one final thing we should take, and that's this. Recognize who God is. Simply recognize who God is. When we come to verses 13 through 20, Asaph paints this picture for us, and it's a picture of God. And what a picture it is. He says this, who is so great a God as our God? He he says, you are the God who does wonders. He says, the waters saw you and they were afraid. He says, your arrows flashed about. The voice of your thunder was in the whirlwind. The earth trembled and shook. It is a picture of a God who is great and mighty and awesome and powerful. It's a picture of a God who speaks and sees parts so that people can walk on dry land. It's a picture of a God who miraculously feeds people with honey wafers that appear on the ground or out of nowhere overnight. It's a picture of a God who tells lightning bolts where to go. It's a picture of a God who speaks and mountains form or are thrown into the sea. It's the picture of a great and mighty and awesome and powerful God. But it's also the picture of a God who's a loving shepherd. Notice what he said in verse 20. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Yes, he is a great and a mighty and an awesome and a powerful God. But he's also a good, faithful, loving shepherd. There is a special relationship between the shepherd and its sheep. The sheep recognize their shepherd's voice. They know him. They follow him. They obey him. They trust him. Asaph tells us that this great and mighty and awesome and powerful God is the same God who is the loving, faithful shepherd. It may seem like the shepherd is silent, but Asaph knows that he is not. He knows that he is there And he trusts that the good shepherd will continue to speak and lead him. He recognizes who God is. And in a time when God seemed silent, it was that realization that reminded Asaph of this important truth. Circumstances do not change God's reality. That's one of those things that you and I need written on our hearts. Circumstances, what we go through in life, does not change God's reality. He is who He is, and He does what He does, in spite of what our circumstances may say. God is still on the throne. He is still good. He does still care. He is still speaking. Dave Dravecki was a pitcher in the major leagues from 1982 until 1989. He pitched in the 1983 All-Star Game as well as the 1984 and 1987 World Series. In 1988, he was at the top of his game. It was in the midst of that promising career, however, that doctors discovered cancer 
and the deltoid muscle of his pitching arm. He underwent surgery, and over half of the muscle in that pitching arm was removed. Doctors told him, quote, short of a miracle, you'll never pitch again. But Dave defied the odds. And a year later, he came back. And on August 10th, 1989, Dave pitched a 4-3 to win for the San Francisco Giants. Sadly, however, his return to baseball was short-lived. You see, five days later, he was pitching in a game against the Montreal Expos. And in the pitch heard around the stadium, in the middle of throwing a pitch, Dave's arm broke between the shoulder and the humerus, broke right in half. And he retired from baseball in 1989. Dave underwent a number of arm surgeries, but even after that, doctors determined that his cancer had come back. And so two years later, his arm, his shoulder blade, and the left side of his collarbone had to be amputated for the fear that the cancer would spread and take his life. Now I share all of that with you to tell you this. In the midst of of those challenges and trials and questions, here's what Dave Dravecki said. I have learned that God's silence to my questions is not a door slammed in my face. I may not have the answers, but I do have him. My prayer is that you and I, like Dave Dravecki and like Asaph, will find that that God is all we need. And he's always there. Even when it seems like he's Silent. He's there. Even when it seems like he's silent. Go to him. Talk to him. Remember what he's done in your life. Meditate on that. Proclaim it. Say it out loud. It might not just be others who need to hear that. It might be you who need to hear that. And recognize who God is. That he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And realize that you and I have a great high priest. According to Hebrews, he is able to sympathize with us in our weaknesses. He's been tempted in every way as we are. It was in that garden of Gethsemane that Jesus himself felt like heaven was silent. And yet he prayed, not my will, yours be done. He trusted the Father and you and I can as well. Let's pray. Dear Father, I am so thankful that you've given us your word. That you inspired Asaph to write these words that we've read this morning. For they show us a picture of how we too in the midst of our struggle can come to you. How you long for us to come to you. Even if what we're coming with are hard questions. Even if what we're coming to you with is puzzling us, even if what we're coming to you with feels like you are silent and not speaking. God, even in the midst of that, you've shown us that you long for us to come. God, my prayer this morning is that if there's even one person within the sound of my voice that has never experienced the freedom, the joy, the forgiveness that comes through Jesus, that if there's even one within the sound of my voice this morning that that describes, 
that today would be their day of salvation, that they would recognize that maybe the reason heaven is silent, maybe the reason they're not hearing from you is because there is a sin barrier between you and them, and they need to come to the Savior, receive forgiveness over that sin so that they can hear from you. Let today be the day that any obstacles are removed, and let today be their day of salvation. And God, my prayer for your people is that you would take a message like this and you would use it, that you would... Use it to remind us that our circumstances don't change the reality of who you are. And that even when we are struggling, even when we're suffering, even when we're hurting in the midst of our pain, when it feels like you are silent, remind us that even then you're still there. You're still on the throne. You're still good. You are still working. And that you will work all things together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. God, do that in our lives, that we might live faithful, obedient lives that would point to Jesus and let a lost and dying world see that and be drawn to our Savior. All of this we pray in Christ's name.